Hey everyone! This month, I'm helping the National Honey Board celebrate National Honey Month by bringing you not one, but two episodes. Protecting pollinators is vital to our ecosystem and food supply, and as we know, honeybees are responsible for more than a third of the foods that we eat. So to give even non-beekeepers an opportunity to help save bee populations, as part of its Honey Saves Hives program, the National Honey Board has partnered with snack and beverage brands Justin's, Lost Cause Meadery, Mele Water, Purely Elizabeth, and Companion Bakery. So by purchasing their delicious goodies that they make with honey during the month of September, they will help fund honeybee research and programs for Project APIS-M, which is the nation's largest honeybee nonprofit. Not only does Project APIS-M fund important honeybee research, they also fund forage enhancement programs that benefit more than just our honeybees. To learn more about their work, visit projectapism.org. And now, on to the show. This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. Today's guest is a beekeeper whose devotion to bees flowed lovingly from her pen and landed into the pages of her new book, The Pandeme of Bees. Together, we explore her poetry, her unique initiation into beekeeping, and the journey that the bees have taken her on. Joining me from her home in Central Australia, please welcome the one and only Ceza J. Sykes. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. <laughs> a little bit dark and cold, but we're good to go. Yeah, we're we're experiencing opposite seasons. Yes. <laughs> no. we're, we're at the time of year here where when you walk past the apiary, you can smell the honey. Ah, oh, beautiful, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's just one to camp out, isn't it? You just want to take your little bed and sleep out. <laughs> in my little um, workshop that I'm in today, I actually, um, I'll see if I can show you. Um, oh, look, I got... have some of my hives just right outside the window so I can actually hear them buzzing away. And then the nice smells coming from their hive are, are wafting in through the window. Oh, that's it's a wonderful experience, isn't it, to just slip into the bee world and move from there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. You're joining me from the other side of the world, which is just something that I, uh, I marvel at because our technology allows us to connect with people where otherwise it wouldn't be possible. Yeah, once upon a time, this would have been a, a three-month letter-writing expedition, wouldn't it? I'd have sent <laughs> some well-crafted reams that would be obsolete by the time they arrived at you, and you would reply out of out of turn, out of sync. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what we have, isn't it, here? With, it's midwinter here. 
It's freezing outside. It's still dark, not quite dawn. Mm. Mm. But I live in the arid lands, so it's it'll be 20 degrees by 2 o'clock this afternoon. So wow. it's a constant layering up and unlayering. <laughs> we just experienced some really extreme um, temperatures here. I don't know what it was in Celsius, but uh, we reached 115 degrees Fahrenheit, which is a good... 25 to 30 degrees above our normal temperatures for this time of year. And it was so extreme that we had to bring the chickens in the house um, out of fear of them dying because it was just so hot. Yes, we get summer days like that. That's fairly regular to be around that same temperature. And sometimes the birds and the bats will fall out of the trees, passed out oh. and passing away from the heat. Yeah, wow. But it's a, a more regular temperature for the arid lands here. Well, let's start at the beginning. You were so sweet and you, you emailed me while I was on hiatus from the show um, to share with me that you had published a book with poetry inspired by the bees. And when I returned from my little break from the show, I wrote you back and said, yes, I would love to have you on the show. This sounds like so fascinating and wonderful. And I've only had a handful of authors on the show before, but nobody who writes poetry. And as a creative person myself, this was very intriguing for me. And so I'm glad that we're able to connect. And I can't wait to learn more about you and your story and your poems. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really enjoy working with the bee words, the word meadows, mm. and uh, being a voice for the bees through the poetic form. How did you find yourself where you are today? Where did you meet the bees? I grew up in England, so they were always a constant companion in the garden, and something that I would observe and watch and like many kids have stepped on clover and <laughs> landed up with a bee sting in the sole of my foot. Oh. <laughs> and, and I think the they were part of the environment that I was growing up in. And so when I was 28, I got stung by a bee and this one was far more momentous. And as it was dying, it really felt that it, message was look after us and speak up for us and so that started the journey of another layer of beekeeping and investigating and using my writing skills to be that honey-tongued voice oh I love that usually we hear about you know the bees choose their beekeepers and often it's uh, you know a swarm shows up or you know something along those lines very rarely do we meet somebody who was so moved by a bee sting that they changed their life's path to, to do more work for bees <laughs> Yes, so, and that's, here I am, where I am now. There's a little saying that I like to do when I, back in the times when we could do in-person 
uh, presentations at, at elementary schools for kids about bees. And I w- would like to say to them, just like the Lorax speaks for the trees, we are the beekeepers, we speak for the bees. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so fun doing the the young school presentations and things. I go into some of the local schools and do uh, bee theatre which is where we enact hive life. So we set up a hive and we take on all of the roles and we do various tasks and um, the kids enjoy the, the playful chaos <laughs> and the background order of a hive. So there's three poems that we might want to look at that I have that cover these three things that we've already spoken about. One is that initiatory sting um, another is for all all the beekeepers out there um, who kind of get chosen. And the third one is a, a poem called Bee Words, which kind of exp- explains my interior experience of the writing process. Wonderful. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So Daisy Venom. Inhaling warm air my nose tracing scent outline of sun daisy. Swept up and drawn in, I drop, immersed, pollen-covered and laughing. From out of the centre, a roaring draws near, tracing flesh outline. No moment so clear as the moment of spear tears open my flesh, pulses in light. The last dying breath of a honeybee flight. That uh, that exchange of the bees calling me into beekeeping. I'm curious a little bit more about you growing up in England, where urban beekeeping was more deeply ingrained into people's lives than say here in the United States there's so much fear for bees here and I, th- I feel mm. like it's because people haven't grown up around it um, but having grown up around it did you have hives in your yard at home no they were just uh, I think wild hive bees mm-hmm. uh, that were visiting the garden and in my later teens then my neighbors had bees and they were very traditional rural homestead grew all their own vegetables raised their own small holdings with meat and had bees and oh wow if you think of you know old england that was their life that sounds like the the dream that so many people are trying to achieve now (laughs) yes yeah it's funny how we mm, i feel like the bees in their magic they help to bring you where you need to be Mm. and i find myself in a very different landscape now from that green densely wooded shrubby flouncy flowery english countryside to the arid lands of the central desert in Australia, which has a much more diversity of life than England, 
but is very sparse and finely balanced and tuned to itself. We'll live around with huge red rocks and trees that maybe get to three metres high and understory shrubs and flowers. And um, we've had about five years of drought and La Nina this year brought rain. And so there have been flowers galore and resurgence of birds and insects. And we've had big fires, so there's been a lot of repair of the land of that. Mm -hmm. And um, But with all of that brings a lot of the invasive species stronger again. So invasive grasses and wildfire that's not appropriate for the land here for its regeneration mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's always a fine balance in experiencing the catastrophic environmental change that much of the world is experiencing yeah absolutely i mean even even in my state of oregon um we've had just opposite extremes of temperatures just in the last six months uh, the wildfire season last year was pretty extreme and very close, <laughs> very close here. And a, a previous guest on the show, Ruby Reed from Valhalla Organics, she lost her home and just recently lost her, all of her bees uh, to a fire. It's just been really, really a lot of trauma. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 In the fires here, there have been many beekeepers that have also lost their hives. And it is, it's losing a hive is a painful, griefful process. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? When I'm working with a hive and I've named it and I know its personality and getting used to its um, personality and the way it relates to me and what it asks for and, and then, um, and then that, that loss when the hive can't survive due to environmental pressures of um, lack of food, failing to thrive, invasive beetles, all the things that so many beekeepers know. Mm-hmm. And that loss is an empty void in the garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that, that my personal experience of the environmental instability and the grief that comes with that that we're all experiencing as the world changes and as I observe there seem to be no safe places to retreat we are all experiencing these changes yeah and I I think that being able to connect with uh, people especially somebody on the other side of the world who is who is sharing in that experience I think that helps to make it all more um, like we're not in this alone. Yes. Yeah. Together is always a way forward. Yes. (laughs) Or maybe I rephrase that, that that way forward is part of the thinking that gets us into this trouble, this need to move into the future away from where we are now. Maybe it's much more... Together we can sit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've um, been writing another poetry book, which has got zombie poetry, but also a good section on trees and belonging. 
And that includes much more of my environmental poetry as oh, well. Wonderful. Talking about and trying to express these things. But today it's all about the pandemic of bees. <laughs> well, would you like to share another poem? Yes, I'll share our beekeeper. So this is for all the beekeepers who are recognized by their hives. <laughs> <laughs> she comes and goes a swirling swarm of joys and woes. We recognize her size and space, a patient, lit and scented face. We work with her, her heart and grace, weaving land and light in lace. For she is the voice and brace that speaks up for our sacred race. Mm. I really, really feel that one. I do believe that our bees know us. We open the hive and it's such a moment of vulnerability for them, but also vulnerability for us. And maybe we're uh, at the advantage because we can wear the big suit and feel very protected, but they are, are truly exposed. And so in working with them and using a gentle hand and maybe singing to them or talking to them about what what you're doing, um, it creates that very intimate relationship. Yes, and in self-promotion, I always say, if you don't know what to say to your bees, go and read them my little book. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love the idea of beekeeper story time or just... You know, so many of us do have a seat next to our hives or somewhere in the apiary, just sitting and reading to them. Yes. Mm. Our own lone drones going back to them, <sighs> soothing them as they settle us. What do you think it is about the ancient relationship between bees and humans? Do you feel like we've always felt that connection with them, that sort of secret language that a beekeeper and their bees have with each other? Uh, I've got a, I'm just going to reply to that with a poem, I oh, reckon. okay. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, undoubtedly. And the research that goes in, at the scientific level finds more correlations between us that really give a different formal language to the experience that we have. But we've, we've all risen out of this earth together at a similar time, ancient cousins. So um, as we know, the, the bee in various forms is an ancient, ancient being on this planet. So... How did it get to being here with us now? And this poem is called Aeons. I have risen perfected from aeons of taste and scent. I have left no one behind and brought a trail of flowers, seeds, fruits. I am whole, complete unto myself. I have allowed sun, moon, planet orchestra to pull and mold and time my being. We are now replete. I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I've kept bees around the world in 
England and France and New Zealand and the east coast of Australia and now here in central Australia. And I really wanted to write something about my bee knowledge. And I felt that I had nothing practical to write because in every bioregion, in every pandemic, the practice is so different. But I observed the deep relationship that every beekeeper has with their hives and wanted to explore and express that. So these poems come out of deepening that relationship to inform your practice for mm. whatever ecology that you are working in. And the winter bees, they're so different to the summer bees. The, uh, reading a lot of the research for how they incubate those winter bees to be able to last through those cold winter months, it's quite different. It is. And also it's amazing that the winter bees, not only do they have to survive through the winter, but then they're also in charge of raising the spring bees. And that's such an incredible task for them to uh, to embark on at the you know really at the end of their lives. Yes, yeah. I just so happen to have a poem called "The Winter Hive." <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> the summer hive has myths of winter bees that live for months, that sing a deeper song and hold each other in a deeper dream. Oh, to be a winter bee of endless night, remembered flowers, a stillness flight, resting queen-wise in womb delight, a breathing ball of internal might. The, the deeper dream part really spoke to me. You know, during those winter months, we're dreaming about our bees. That's, I mean, for me, that's when the bulk of my bee dreams happen. Yeah, that, that dreaming space is the, one of the best ways to listen in, or even that daydreaming, sitting next to them. Do you ever just sit with your hive and just smell them? <laughs> I know that's yes. such a weird question, but like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love to sniff my beehives. Yes, absolutely. Just enjoying that scent and trying to learn how to read that scent. And um, because I think it has a lot of information and I'm not particularly educated or knowledgeable about reading smell. Mm -hmm. And um, I was very curious that I had this gap and absence in my knowledge or experience and I found a perfumery, a perfumerist. <gasps> and I thought, oh, I bet she has a very well-developed nose. And so I spent some time with her, speaking to her about her human experience of scent so that I could begin to understand a little bit more around how bees use scent to navigate would you like to share what you've learned? I mean, I'm on the edge of my seat here. This sounds fascinating. <laughs> I, I, I'm not well versed at all. That's in, okay. Um, We're very casual here on this show. <laughs> my nose smells. Um, 
I'm curious um, about the perf- 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 you called her a perf- perfumerist or a perfumist. Yes, I'm not sure the right word. Um, I'm curious, <laughs> what did you take her to sniff some bees? <laughs> no, I didn't. But she gave me a small bottle of scent that was based on honeycomb on wax. Okay. And that had been infused with that. And that was incredible to part of that exchange. Yes. What Um, department store can we get that scent in? (laughs) It would be amazing to just go through your whole day smelling like a beehive. (laughs) Many years ago, I was walking across a very high bridge across a freeway. And I expected it to be noisy and smell of fumes. And when I got up there, it smelt of pollen and flowers and bark and balsam wood. And I was astounded at this high elevation of these sky streams of scent And so I thought, well, it would make sense that as the day warmed up, all of these flower scents would be being lifted up into the air channels that exist. And I understood a little bit about why bees would fly up and find these sky streams and just follow these these, um, streams. So to, to articulate that work with the the perfumerist and that experience and still working with the bees and understanding it. But this is what I understood from, from that. Scenting. The bells and trumpets are sounding out with scent, tendrils of allure, waves of nebulized seduction, sky streams of joy. Hmm. I have never thought about that before. The sky streams of joy and the the floral jet streams that are existing above us. You just blew my mind. Yeah, something to take your nose out to. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. I would really love to um, give one of your books to one of our lucky listeners. I'd love to do that. How can people find you online? Mm, so I have a website where you can purchase the book, and it's a long old email address <laughs> uh, or website address. And I'll put I'll put links to those um, on beekeeperconfidential.com. So you can also people can go to the website and click on links there. And are you on social media? Yes, I am. Just with my name, I don't have a specialized B page. Um, so it's, like many people, I'm behind on my social media because I'm spending all my time outside. I can relate. I used to feel like I needed to be on social media or doing some kind of post every day. And more and more, I just enjoy not being on it every day because there's just so many other things to do. Yes. (laughs) Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? And speaking of today, 
<laughs> my today is uh how do i what am i trying to say um you know today is my tomorrow yes my today is your yesterday <laughs> we had a little bit of a scheduling um oopsie we knew that there was a time difference but we didn't calculate that you are actually in the in my future <laughs> and it looks good <laughs> <laughs> That's good news. I think people um, people just need to know that things are going to be okay. We've been through so much uh, in this last year and a half. Um, and I really, for me personally, I, I do feel very hopeful. Yes. Yeah. Keep our feet on the ground and our noses to the hive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> To be able to, ha you know, have you on and share your craft and speak about bees and our, our work with them um, at a much more personal level has been such a pleasure. So thank you for, for coming on today. Oh, my delight to speak about the bees and share the words they want me to speak about. <laughs> <laughs> To learn more about Cezajay, you can find her online at cezajaysykes.australianauthors.store. I know that's a long link, so don't worry. I'll be including that at beekeeperconfidential.com. And be sure to head over to Beekeeper Confidential on Instagram to enter our giveaway for your chance to win a copy of the Pandeme of Bees, plus a few other goodies from yours truly. The giveaway is open September 3rd, through September 16th. Until next time, may the buzz be with you. Beekeeper Confidential is written and produced by Mandy Shaw.